0: Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your Squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Thursday, October 27th, 2022, and this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast that is dedicated primarily to the public reading of scripture. And secondarily, to my thoughts on various topics of the day. Today, being Thursday, it's Theology Thursday, and we're going to continue our look at the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. Today, we are going to be in paragraph six of chapter eight of Christ the Mediator. So that's where we're going with Theology Thursday, but first, we got our scripture reading. And our reading today is going to be Ezekiel 10 through 12. Psalm 83, and John 4 as we continue to work our way through the entire Bible in the Legacy Standard Bible Translation. Mm. Uh, Need some coffee. All right. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community, so head on over to christianpodcastcommunity.com.org. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are sure to find something that's doctrinally sound and worth sticking in your earbuds. All right, well, let's begin. As is our, our, uh, I, uh, it is our practice to begin with the 1552 Book of Common Prayer and the Prayer of Confession. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from Thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against Thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. And now the prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who hast caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which thou hast given us in our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Now Ezekiel chapter 10. Then I looked. And behold, in the expanse that was over the heads of the cherubim, something like a sapphire stone, in appearance and the likeness of a throne appeared above them. And he spoke to the man clothed in linen and said, Enter between the whirling wheels under the cherubim, and fill your hands with coals from the fire between the cherubim, and scatter them over the city. And he entered in my sight. Now the cherubim were standing on the right side of the house, when the man entered, and the cloud filled the inner court. Then the glory of Yahweh rose up from the cherub to the threshold of the house, and the house was filled with the cloud, and the court was tra- court was filled with the brightness of the glory of Yahweh. Moreover, the sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard as far as the outer court, like the voice of God Almighty when he speaks. Now it happened that when he commanded the man clothed in linen saying take fire from between the whirling wheels from between the cherubim he entered and stood beside a wheel then the cherub sent forth his hand from between the cherubim to the fire which was between the cherubim and took some up and put it into the hands of the one clothed in linen who took it and went out and the cherubim appeared to have the form of a man's hand under the wing, under their wings then I looked, and behold, four wheels beside the cherubim, one wheel beside each cherub, and the appearance of the wheels was like the gleam of a tarshish stone. As for their appearance, all four of them had the same likeness, as if one wheel were within another wheel. As they went, they went in any of their four directions without turning as they went, but they went in the direction which they faced without turning as they went. And their whole body their backs, their hands, their wings, and the wheels were full of eyes all around, and the wheels belonged to all four of them. The wheels were called in my hearing the whirling wheels, and each one had four faces. The first face was the face of a cherub, the second face was the face of a man, the third the face of a lion, and the fourth the face of an eagle. Then the cherubim rose up. They are the living creatures that I saw by the river Kabar. Now as the cherubim went, the wheels went beside them. Also when the cherubim lifted up their wings to rise from the ground, the wheels would not turn from beside them. When the cherubim stood still, the wheels would stand still, and when they rose up, the wheels would rise up with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in them. Then the glory of Yahweh departed from the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubim. When the cherubim departed, they lifted their wings and rose up from the earth in my sight with the wheels beside them, and they stood still at the entrance of the east gate of the house of Yahweh, and the glory of the God of Israel hovered over them. These are the, four, these are the living creatures that I saw beneath the God of Israel by the river Kabar, so I knew that they were cherubim. Each one had four faces, and each one four wings, and beneath their wings was the likeness of human hands. As for the likeness of their faces, they were the same faces whose appearance I had seen by the river Kabar. Each one went straight ahead. Chapter 11 Moreover, the Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the east gate of the house of Yahweh which faced eastward. And behold, at the entrance of the gate there were twenty-five men. And I saw among them Jaazaniah the son of Azur and Pelatiah, son of Benaniah, officials of the people. He said to me, Son of man, these are the men who devise wickedness and give evil counsel to this city, who say the time is not near to build houses. This city is the pot, and we are the flesh. Therefore prophesy against them, son of man, prophesy. Then the spirit of Yahweh fell upon me, and he said to me, Say, thus says Yahweh, So you say, house of Israel, For I know what comes in your spirit. You have multiplied your slain in this city, and you have filled its streets with them. Therefore, thus says Lord Yahweh, Your slain, whom you have laid in the midst of the city, are the flesh, and this city is the pot, but I will bring you out of it. You have feared a sword, so a sword I will bring upon you, Lord Yahweh declares. And I will bring you out of the midst of the city, and give you into the hands of strangers, and execute judgments against you. You will fall by the sword. I will judge you to the border of Israel, so you shall know that I am Yahweh. This city will not be a pot for you, nor will you be flesh in the midst of it, but I will judge you to the border of Israel. Thus you will know that I am Yahweh, for you have not walked in my statutes, nor have you executed my judgments, but have executed according to the judgments of the nations around you. Now it happened, as I prophesied, that Pelatiah, son of Benaniah, died. Then I fell on my face and cried out with a loud voice and said, Alas, Lord Yahweh, will you bring the remnant of Israel to complete destruction? Then the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Son of man, your brothers, your relatives, your fellow exiles, and the whole house of Israel, all of them, are those to whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, Go far from Yahweh. This land has been given to us as a possession. Therefore say, Thus says Lord Yahweh, Though I had removed them far away among the nations, and though I had scattered them among the countries, yet I was a sanctuary for them a little while in the countries where they had gone. Therefore say, Thus says Lord Yahweh, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries among whom you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel." When they come there, they will remove all its detestable things and all its abominations from it. And I will give them one heart and give within them a new spirit. And I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them. Then they will be my people, and I shall be their God. But as for those whose hearts walk after their detestable things and abominations— I will give what is due for their way on their heads, declared Lord, declares Lord Yahweh. Then the cherubim lifted up their wings with the wheels beside them, and the glory of the God of Israel hovered over them. The glory of Yahweh went up from the midst of the city and stood over the mountain which is east of the city. Now the Spirit lifted me up and brought me in a vision by the Spirit of God to the exiles in Chaldea. So the vision that I had sent went up and away from me, Then I told the exiles all the things that Yahweh had shown me. Chapter 12. Then the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Son of man, you live in the midst of the rebellious house, who have eyes to see but do not see, ears to hear but do not hear, for they are a rebellious house. Now as for you, son of man, prepare for yourself baggage for exile, and go into exile by day in their sight. Even go into exile from your place to another place in their sight. Perhaps they will see, though they are a rebellious house. Bring your baggage out by day in their sight as baggage for exile. Then you will go out at evening in their sight as those going into exile. In their sight, dig a hole through the wall and go out through it. In their sight, carry the baggage on your shoulder and bring it out in the dark. You shall cover your face so that you cannot see the land, for I have set you as a wondrous sign to the house of Israel. I did so, as I had been commanded. By day I brought out my baggage like the baggage of an exile. Then in the evening I dug through the wall with my hands. I went out into the dark and carried the baggage on my shoulder in their sight. And in the morning the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Son of man! Has not the house of Israel, the rebellious house, said to you, What are you doing? Say to them, Thus says Lord Yahweh, This oracle concerns the prince in Jerusalem, as well as all the house of Israel who are in it. Say, I am a wondrous sign to you, as I have done, so it will be done to them. They will go into exile, into captivity. The prince who is among them will carry his baggage on his shoulder in the dark and go out. They will dig a hole through the wall to bring it out. He will cover his face, so that he cannot see the land with his eyes. I will also spread my net over him, and he will be caught in my snare. And I will bring him to Babylon in the land of the Chaldeans. Yet he will not see it, though he will die there. And I will scatter to every wind all who are around him, his helpers and all his troops. And I will draw out a sword after them, so they will know that I am Yahweh." when I scatter them among the nations, and spread them among the countries. But I will spare a few of them from the sword, famine, and pestilence, that they may recount all their abominations among the nations, where they go, and may know that I am Yahweh. Moreover, the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Son of man, you shall eat your bread with trembling, and drink your water with quivering and anxiety. Then you will say to the people of the land, Thus says Lord Yahweh concerning the inhabitants of Jerusalem in the land of Israel. They will eat their bread with anxiety and drink their water with desolation, because their very soil will be made desolate of its fullness on account of the violence of all who inhabit it. The inhabited cities will be laid waste, and the land will be a desolation. So you will know that I am Yahweh. Then the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Son of man, What is this proverb you people have concerning the land of Israel, saying, The days are long and every vision fails. Therefore say to them, Thus says Lord Yahweh, I will make this proverb cease, so that they will no longer use it as a proverb in Israel. But speak to them, The days draw near as well as the fulfillment of every vision. For there will no longer be any worthless vision or flattering divination, in the midst of the house of Israel. For I, Yahweh, will speak, and whatever word I speak will be done. It will no longer be delayed, for in your days, O rebellious house, I will speak the word and do it, declares Lord Yahweh. Further, the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Son of man, behold, the house of Israel is saying, the vision that he beholds is for many years from now, and he prophesies of times far off. Therefore say to them, Thus says Lord Yahweh, None of my words will be delayed any longer. Whatever word I speak will be done, declares Lord Yahweh. Psalm 83 A Song, a Psalm of Asaph O God, do not remain at rest, do not be silent, and, O God, do not be quiet. For behold, your enemies roar, and those who hate you have lifted up their heads. They make shrewd plans against your people and conspire together against your treasured ones. They have said, Come and let us wipe them out as a nation, that the name of Israel be remembered no more. For they have conspired together with one heart. Against you they cut a covenant. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gebel and Ammon and Amalek, Philistia with their inhabitants of Tyre, Assyria also has joined with them, they have become the power of the children of Lot, Selah. Do to them as to Midian, as to Sisera and Jabin in the river of Kishan, Kishon, who were destroyed by Indor. who were as dung for the ground. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeeb, and all their princes like Zeba and Zalmuna, who said, Let us possess for ourselves the pastures of God." O oh my God, make them like the whirling dust, like chafe before the wind, like fire that burns the forest, and like a flame that burns up the mountains. So pursue them with your storm, fill their faces with disgrace, that they may seek your name, O Yahweh. Let them be ashamed and dismayed forever, and let them be humiliated and perish, that they may know that you alone, your name is Yahweh, are the Most High over all the earth. And now John chapter 4. Therefore, when Jesus knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went away again into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How do you, being a Jew, ask for a drink from me being a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it and who it was who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well, and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst, ever. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty nor come back here to draw. He said to her, Go, call your husband and come back here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, "'You have correctly said, I have no husband, for you had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly.' The woman said to him, "'Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where man ought to worship.' Jesus said to her, "'Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father.' You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point his disciples came, and they were marveling that he was speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, What do you seek, or why are you speaking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went into the city and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all the things that I have done. Is this not the Christ?' They went out of the city and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, There are yet four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, that they are white for harvest. Even now, he who reaps is receiving wages, and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in in this case the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who bore witness. He told me all the things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this is one that this one." Is truly the Savior of the world. And after the two days, Jesus went from there into Galilee, for Jesus himself bore witness that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they themselves also went to the feast. Then he came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was asking him to come down and heal his son, for he was about to die. So Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. The royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son lives. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started on his way. And while he was still going down, his slaves met him, saying that his son was alive. So he inquired of them the hour when he began to get better. Then they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. This is again a second sign that Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Now the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now the collect for grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings may be ordered by thy governance to do always that is righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, well, we are looking at the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith, and today we are in chapter 8 on Christ the Mediator, and this is paragraph 6. And we read, Although the price of redemption was not actually paid by Christ until after his incarnation, yet the virtue, efficacy, and benefit thereof were communicated to the elect in all ages, successively from the beginning of the world in and by those promises, types, and sacrifices wherein he was revealed, and signified to be the seed which should bruise the serpent's head and the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, being the same yesterday and today and forever. So this is speaking of the fact that salvation has always been by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So in the Old Testament, they were looking at the uh, Promises of God to send a Redeemer, and those promises, believing in those promises, was the faith. God promised to send a Redeemer. This is what uh, Abraham in in uh, Romans five that that Paul is talking about. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Salvation has always been by grace through faith, in. Christ, because he was the promised Redeemer. So before the cross, the elect believed God's promise to send a Redeemer, and they were looking forward to what God had said he would do. Since the cross, we look back to what God has done, and we believe that that was sufficient to pay for our sins and to redeem us from unrighteousness. So Christ is the only Savior, past, present, and future. So in the Old Testament, before the cross, people believed in the coming Messiah. Since the cross, we believe in the Messiah who came. And so that's what it says here, that although the price of redemption was not actually paid by Christ until after his incarnation, as he became flesh, lived the perfect life, and then died. The incarnation is the birth. So the price of redemption wasn't paid until after the incarnation. Yet the virtue, efficacy, and benefit thereof, the the virtue, efficacy, and benefit of the price that was paid were communicated to the elect in all ages. Successively from the beginning of the world, in and by those promises, the promises that were given, types which illustrated the coming Savior, and sacrifices wherein he was revealed. So the Passover, the the, the daily, weekly, and monthly sacrifices in the temple, the feasts of Israel, all of these pointed to the final perfect sacrifice that God had promised to send. And so people who put their faith in God's promises as revealed in the promises, the types, and the sacrifices. They were the ones who believed and were saved. The promises, types, and sacrifices revealed Christ in the Old Testament and signified him to be the seed that would bruise the serpent's head, reference to Genesis 3, where Satan was told, that the seed of the woman would bruise his head. It it is interesting that the very first promise of the gospel, while made in the presence of Adam and Eve, was actually given to Satan, a promise of his own defeat. So as a promise of redemption for mankind, it was a promise of Satan's own defeat. We see this, uh, sometimes I have to wonder and really think about the the proof texts they give us. The first proof text for this first clause in paragraph six is 1 Corinthians 4.10, which reads, we are fools for the sake of Christ, but you are prudent in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are glorious, but we are without honor. And I honestly quite can't quite grasp how that is a proof text for this paragraph or for this section of the paragraph. The second is much more applicable. That's Hebrews 4.2, where we read, For indeed, indeed, we have had good news proclaimed to us, just as they also. But the word that was heard did not profit those who were not united with faith among those who heard. So we have had good news proclaimed to us, the gospel of Jesus Christ, just as they also, the Old Testament saints, had the promises of Christ proclaimed to them. And that was good news. But the word that was heard did not profit those who were not united with faith among those who heard. So you can hear the word, but if you don't believe, it has no effect. But the good news was proclaimed in the Old Testament that a Messiah was coming, just as the good news is proclaimed now that the Messiah came and that he made provision for our redemption. The next verse is 1 Peter one ten and 11. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries inquiring to know what time or what kind of time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he was predicting the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. So the the Old Testament prophets, as they wrote the promises of God down, were trying to figure out when this was going to happen. They were looking forward to it, not knowing the day, but knowing that this was the Christ this was the messiah who was to come and that those promises would be significant and he was not only sufficient and and for and the virtue going forward and backward in time from the cross he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world we see that in revelation 13:8 And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, him being the Antichrist in this case, the beast, everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. So everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world into the book of life that belongs to the Lamb who has been slain from before the foundation of the world. Everyone who is not of the elect will worship the Antichrist. All that to say that the the cross was never plan B. Christ was the Lamb who was slain from before the foundation of the world. Before anything was made, before there was an Adam and Eve to fall in the garden, before there was a garden, Christ was the Lamb who was slain. The entire plan of salvation was laid out before creation. And it was always that God the Son would pay the penalty for man's sin. And that He would save an elect people. Because their names were written down before the foundations of the world. The names of those whom Jesus would save at the cross were written down before creation. They were not determined by God looking down the corridors of time to see who would believe because God is omniscient. He does not learn anything. He cannot learn. He has all knowledge. There's nothing left for him to learn. It's not that he has an inability to learn. It's that there's no information that he does not already possess so that he has no need to learn. So he already knew who would be saved. The reason he knew who would be saved is because he chose them out of the world. And there are all sorts of texts for that, and this paragraph isn't dealing with that. But the names were written down before the foundation of the world. Um, You can go back and, and listen to God's Decrees, which I think was chapter three, chapter three or four of the London Baptist Confession of Faith. We've already looked at God's decrees from eternity. And then the paragraph ends with Jesus being the same yesterday and today and forever. This is simply a statement. Taken directly from Hebrews 13:8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is the unchanging God. Now, people look at this and they say that this means that everything that God was doing has to be the same today. No, that's not what it is. There are people who push... Um, a legalism where where they're saying Christians need to follow the Old Testament law because God gave the law and God's the same today as he was then so all of those Old Testament rules and regulations about diet and blended fabrics and all of that need to be continued today no that that would say that what God does is the same yesterday today and forever and that's not true God can do something yesterday that he didn't do the day before and he can do something today that he didn't do yesterday and he can stop doing something he was doing yesterday today without changing who he is. For example, creation. Creation was an event in history. God created. When creation was finished, he rest from his creation. He stopped creating There's no creation going on right now. Creation is finished. God has rested from that work. Now, this isn't to say that God cannot exercise his power of creation from time to time. Certainly, I think we saw that when Christ was on the earth because the multiplication of the fish and loaves to feed the 5,000 was an act of creation where Jesus, as God, created Food to feed 5,000 people. He multiplied the fishes and loaves. That he can, you know, he is creator. He can do that. But it doesn't mean that he does that every day. He certainly doesn't. So the fact that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and Jesus Christ is God, does not mean that he has to do things the same way. I mean, there are places in Scripture that says, behold, I'm, no, I'm doing a new thing. Well, he's not changing. He's just changing what he's doing. And everything that he's doing is working out his sovereign decrees made before the foundation of the world. So, Jesus' death on the cross was sufficient to purchase the salvation of all who would believe, those who believed in Old Testament times and those who believed since the cross. So before the cross and after the cross, the power of Christ to save is exactly the same. And it is based upon his perfect spotless righteousness, his atoning death, and his resurrection. Let me read paragraph 6 again, just so we have it squared away in our minds. Although the price of redemption was not actually paid by Christ until after his incarnation, yet the virtue, efficacy, and benefit thereof were communicated to the elect in all ages, successively from the beginning of the world, in and by those promises, types, and sacrifices wherein he was revealed, and signified to be the seed which should bruise the serpent's head, and the lamb slain from the foundation of the world being the same yesterday and today and forever. All right. Well, that's Squirrel Chatter for today. Hope you have the best of Thursdays. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. And whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. See you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless.